Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Sportstone Podcast. Day four is over, the test match is over, and England have won by three wickets, and the series stays alive 2-1. It was a tense final day, penultimate day of the test match, ended up being the final one. It was tense. England probably made it harder than they should have made it. Australia fought really, really hard. They attacked, but England held on. 254 for 7, chasing the target of 251. Harry Brooks, 75. Chris Wokes, 32 not out at the end. Mark Wood, 16 not out of 8 balls. Mitchell Stark with a 5 for, five for 78. It was good. Sorry, let me just turn my TV volume down. I'm watching Wimbledon at this moment. It was a good match, though. Um, it started off with uh, a pretty strange moment when Ben, ben Ducker got out. Um, Everyone was expecting Harry Brook to come in, but instead it was Moin Ali who came in. Um, at the time, you could just you couldn't really justify the rationale other than it just being a a basketball thing. They just saw Moin Ali as a positive option um, to take on the Australian bowlers, and um, perhaps they thought that Harry Brook would be better suited to the older ball. Um, and to an extent, it turned out to be a bit of a masterstroke because he was pretty well suited to the older ball. And at the start of the day, perhaps he may, maybe would have struggled. Um, ben Stokes did reveal in the post-match conference that Moinani, in fact, initiated that exchange last night. He said to McCallum that, let me go out at three, I'm going to go take the attack to them. And McCallum sort of agreed, which is possible. He said, okay, my player wants to do something, let me just give him the freedom to do it. Because it's not like he was sort of demoting a permanent number three. Harry Brook was a makeshift option anyways, so it wasn't really a major deal, um, but it didn't work. Moinani didn't really look confident and um, yeah ultimately he was cleaned up um, and yeah regarding some of the dismissals in the morning I thought it was impressive how aggressive Australia were in the morning they were looking to go as full as possible and try and hit the stumps and were, were, were happy to sort of vary with short stump essentially they were looking for wickets they, they weren't worried about sort of bowling back of length bowling getting them to take um, occasional singles try and keep the run rate down if they can because they probably know I think they've learnt with basketball now there's the certain bare minimums they need with the field, so the, they, they're going to have it in that field. But they're not going to go a defensive back of length bowling because basketball, even with the in outfield, basketball is scoring at that average run rate. So they knew that they needed wickets. Like trying to restrict and frustrate England is not necessarily going to work because England have been getting themselves out while looking to attack, while looking to sort of continue to conform to this basketball template. Um, so yeah, Australia knew that wickets were required and th- so they attacked. And to an extent, it worked. Duckett missed a full ball and was LBW. Moeen was missed one that that tailed in and was was castled. And that's because Mitchell Stark was searching for the for the swing. Um, obviously, when you attack, um, the margin for error is pretty low at international level, and you can over attack and you can sort of over pitch. And Australia didn't do that. Um, at times, they had to go too full and too short, and they went for extra drums, But the rationale was wicked, wickets first always. Um, I think perhaps when Root and Harry Brook were batting together in that period, sort of when their partnership started to blossom, I think that that stage just really got a bit predictable, and that's sort of what got Harry Brook's rhythm. I think I thought I thought that's what got Harry Brook's rhythm going, um, just the full half volleys that were constantly overpitched, um, and perhaps at that stage maybe they should have gone to the short ball plan a bit earlier, but um, I liked I liked the intent. Zach Crawley. Um, for all the criticism he's got for sort of the slop, the, the, I guess the very numbers that don't really reflect the faith that he's been given, he's I think starting to really 
turn the page in his test career because he just looks so much more assured and confident at the crease. Um, his body is leaning into balls, he's playing on the up, he's driving with nonchalance, he's flicking with nonchalance, he's even pulling with nonchalance. He has immense talent and immense skill, he has great range of shots, but there is also always a subsequent frustration with Harry Brook, is that at times he just needs to apply himself and he can really get these big scores, we can really turn the page in his test career, because I think that's what he needs now, he needs big scores. I think it's shown to the England fans that he can hold it back he's not as bad as his average suggests he's just had a few bad tours he has confident issues and he played an England team that was historically bad at batting so he just needs to I think apply himself and get a few bigger scores and perhaps today was his moment today was his moment in the limelight to sort of score a ton and winning in the test match but once again I, I thought he threw his wicket away um, it was a bit straighter the ball from Mitchell Marsh the ball before Corny sort of covered him for four the next ball was a bit straighter, but it was also a bit shorter. It moved, um, so it wasn't there for the sort of the wider, freeing his arms drive. Um, and he w it, the ball swung 2.7 degrees, which was the second highest amount of swing um, Mitchell Marsh found in the match. Thank you to Cricketers for that. So yeah, it was it moved quite a bit, and sometimes when it moves, you just have to respect it and leave it alone. Um, but he didn't, and he was out. And it was sort of that dismissal was sort of the it's been the story of the test series but especially this test match the amount of soft dismissals has been alarming we obviously had Labashain um, yeah so we obviously had Labashain and Smith in the, the the third innings Australia's second innings and even today Ben Duckett I thought was actually soft um, he just missed an innocuous sort of straight delivery um, Johnny Best was definitely soft chopped on a wide one um, Zach Crawley was soft Joe Root was soft um, ben Duckett, oh, sorry, Ben Stokes was soft. Harry Brook was soft. The amount of soft dismissals was alarming, and it shows that England can still apply themselves better. But I think, I think if you're going to really just stop pinpointing the application and criticizing and being pedantic about the application every match, then I think you're missing a point at a stage because that is baseball. They're going to attack, and when they're attacked, there's going to be some funny-looking dismissals. As long as the stupidity which occurred in the last Test match with that short ball plan doesn't continue to occur, I, I think they were right. Um, speaking of Ben Stokes, there was one really fascinating moment which I think just captured the emotion of what Ben Stokes has done to the England cricketing team as leader. Um, Joe has just got out, I believe it's Joe Root. Yeah. Joe Root has just gotten out, Ben Stokes walks in, a standing ovation from the Headingley crowd, a ground where he's already created a plethora of memories. The commentators hype him up on air, they're like, Ben Stokes, come at the man, come at the hour, it's his occasion. And I think this sort of rapport and this sort of incred incredulous support that he's building is a testament to the following he has garnered and how he has sort of captivated the whole country as a leader who steps up from the front, who has created this positive brand of cricket, who has brought England Test cricket sort of back to its feet. And it's good, to be fair, I think to an extent he probably deserves it as well. But yeah, unfortunately today wasn't the day for Ben Stokes, he did um, nick off. Down, what's it down the leg side? Yeah, Ben Stokes nicked off down the leg side. I think softness was the way you couldn't believe it. Um, and he looked good. He looked, he looks way more confident and in rhythm now after that Lord's innings. He sort of just needed to find himself in that freak situation one or t one time so he could find his form back. Because when he gets into those freak situations, you know, it, like form doesn't matter for him at that stage. It's sort of his mind and his resilience and his willpower. Um, but that got him his confidence back. First innings, another great knock and. 
this innings he just looked supreme, his feet were so good. Um someone's feet and rhythm who is um which is not so good as Johnny Pesto and his series are sort of stagnated and it's sort of a dire sight at the stage. He started off very well in the first test match. He came back, made 80, and he showed the England fans, and he showed the world what what, what basketball Johnny Besto is, and why they sort of need him, why he's so important to this to this test side. But then came the drop catches, the missed stumpings, the the doziness of the last test match, more drop catches, and two very frankly lazy dismissals in this test match. Not moving his feet, just hanging his bat out there without even really intent, because he's barely even looking to drive that. It's just sort of like he's looking to flat bat it. Um, and he just chops on, and at the first innings he edged away. Um, his series isn't promising, isn't peaking. Um, I find it very unbasable for him to be dropped. I think you'll see the series out. But man, you got to feel for Ben, folks, because he was not putting a step wrong. Um, but that's just how it is. That's the decision England made, and that's the decision I think they're going to stick with because that's just the way that they play. Um, Mitchell Stark, uh, as I said earlier in the match situation, he finished with 5 for 78. Um, I've been impressed by the impact that Mitchell Stark has made this series. Um, and I think we have to accept that Mitchell Stark is never going to be amazing. And usually when he gets a, a, a high amount of wickets, in this case 5 wickets, his economy will be decently high, especially during basketball times, because he goes searching, he overattacks. And when he overtakes, he he has he pitches. He has the tendency to ball half volleys. He has the tendency to ball in the pads. It's going to happen. But without him today, Australia would have had no shot. He told hard all day from ball one, running in and just looking to attack and hit the stumps as often as possible. Duck it, LBW. Moeen Ali cleaned up. Best of his laziness. Strokes was lucky. And Brooke was a pretty brainless shot. But sometimes you reap the rewards. And nonetheless, the wickets is what matters. Mitchell Stark got five wickets and Australia needed ten at the start. He got half of them. Australia unfortunately didn't get ten, which shows that they would have been even, even further behind without him. He had a he had a good performance, and his sort of performance and impact on this tour has been his best in England. Um, he has twelve wickets and an average of twenty-four, and in the previous tours he's usually had an average of around thirty. Um, so he's doing well, and I think it's because, to an extent, I think the way England bat helps the likes of Stark because he. He's so sort of tight to the stumps that it's sort of like if you go across me, if you if you sort of tr- try to overattack me when the ball is there to overtake, I'm usually going to hit the stumps. But Pat Cummins has also set smart fields for him. Um, but his economy has also been up, but I think it was always bound to be up, um, especially with basketball. If they're going to take on Stark, and he's normally the, if they're going to take on Stark more than other teams normally would do and Stark already has a tendency to sometimes leak even in normal test matches then he was going to go um, for a bit but what would have been worse if he was not taking wickets but he is taking wickets but I think the main star of the day was Harry Brook it was a coming of age innings for Harry Brook <laughs> it's funny though this headline would have definitely made perfect sense the coming of age Harry Brook's innings if he finished 19 not out and took England over the line instead of the frankly ridiculous tennis forehand that he tried to play at the end and then threw his wicket away. However, I guess let's, let's keep the harshness away and let's not undermine the fact that Brook played a match-winning knock. When Bairstow got out, Harry Brook had no margin for error. If he faltered in the next few overs, it would have been done. The Ashes would have been done. And... 
Um, so he had to play maturely, and he did. From then on, he played very maturely. Boland and Cummins were hitting solid lengths at certain stages after dismissal of Bairstow, and Brooke was happy to stay conventional. He was happy to get on his front foot and use his solid defense to respect them. He knows he has. We know he, he has a stupendous shot range, um, and everyone is aware of that. The most satisfying thing I think today about watching Brook was actually his conventionalism, and um, the fact that he's sort of the epitome um, of playing in straight lines. That is when he isn't playing these ridiculous tennis shots. His straight drives, square drives, and cover drives are such a scintillatingly perfect form. The bat comes down at a straight angle. Weight from the shoulders is equal. No part of his body is off balance or leaning a certain way. The motion is all in a straight line and through the ball. And that's what we saw today. Australia, as I discussed earlier, did over pitch, but he made them pounce the straight drives, the cover drives. It was, it was elegance, elegance at its best. Um, and to be fair, in this whole series, I think he's looked pretty good, but he's just thrown it away. Um, but today he produced something of substance when England needed it. I think still moderation and temperance perhaps needs to be developed, but such such star roles in big matches is something that England shouldn't get used to because this man has the talent. Harry Brook has always had the talent, and he's still so young. He's eleven Test matches in or ten Test matches in. It's there's a lot to come, I think. And finally, let's end off with Chris Wokes. I really wanted to dedicate a section to Chris Wokes for this match because a player like him doesn't hog the limelight often. He doesn't have an extravagant personality, um, and as a result, sometimes he may not be given the the, the limelight. Works. I think let's just contextualize Chris Wokes' career and the Chris Wokes' sort of impact as as a, as a Test cricketer for England. Chris Wokes has over 100 wickets in England at an average of 22, while he is close to 1,000 runs, 963 to be precise, um, with the bat in England at an average of 35, and he is a century with that. That is world class all rounder numbers. Unfortunately, we all know with Chris Wokes' storyline is that he hasn't found success away, but that. I don't think that's a narrative that undermines how good he is at home and how reliable he is at home. Home specialists exist. There are many players who have specialised in home conditions. Wokes is a very good home specialist and this test match's inclusion gave England everything they needed. In the first innings he had long spells in the first day, he produced wicket taking deliveries. He ripped apart the backbone of Australia yesterday with the wicket of Mitchell Marsh and the lower order. Today, he gutted it out despite his obvious short ball frailties, which Australia were obviously targeting as well. Um, and if you don't know what Chris Wilkes' obvious short ball frailties are, and you couldn't see it in the eye test today because it was pretty aesthetically sort of unpleasing, you could see he was struggling. It was very awkward. Um, but statistically, it's proven as well. Chris Wilkes averages just seven with ten dismissals when he faces bounces. But he got it out with Harry Brook and he needed to. The Ashes were on the line. And then he finished off with Mark Wood, 32 not out. And once again, he just did enough to get England a win. And that is who Chris Wokes is. He will give you everything that he can give you. And he will give you as much value as he can extract. He is definitely a bowler who has sort of maximized his physical resources over his career. And once again, in this test match, he maximized his resources. That is, that is what Chris Wilkes does, and I think a lot of credit has to be given to him. For now, though, two-one in the series. England back in it, and I, I would. You would be a very bold man to rule them out. 
from winning this series because I think now they're gaining momentum. Um, I think they have options. They've got bowlers rested now. Josh Tong could probably come back. I, I'd be surprised if Ollie Robinson plays. Um, he looked a bit under par this test series, plus back issues. I think Chris Wilkes will probably hold a spot. Um, Anderson will be interesting. I think Broad will probably play because of nine day rest. I think Anderson will play depending on the pitch. Um, I think Moeen Ali will play for the balance, regardless of sort of his batting performance. I think Bollywise did pretty well, so he he warrants a spot. So it's sort of be interesting what they do and how they get Anderson back. Will Will he come in at the expense of Chris Wokes? Will he come in at the expense of potentially Josh Tong sitting out once more? Um, it's gonna be interesting what they do with the batting order now that Brook has succeeded. Are they are they gonna stick with him at five? And if so, is Moeen Ali gonna come at three? Does Ben Folks potentially get a look in in any way? Um, I know he's not in the squad, but can they bring him in with Australia? Mitchell Marsh has performed, so that gives a selection, a positive selection headache in terms of where the Cameron Green sits out. Um, Hazelwood, you, you, you'd probably see coming back in because Scott Bowen has unfortunately been um, quite ineffective. Um, other than that, I don't really see any changes. I would like to see Pat Cummins have a bit more faith in Todd Murphy. I think he could have bowled at an earlier stage instead of coming at the end. But man, it, it's on. The series is on. The Ashes is well and truly alive. We've got three absolutely fantastic test matches. I reckon there's going to be two more. I'll be back for the fourth test match. I've I've hit essentially an upload rate daily in these Ashes. I think I missed yesterday and I missed one day in the second test match. And I'm going to continue here daily. So um, please follow on your podcast app. Give me good reviews. Give me any feedback. And um, I'll see you back for the fourth test match. Thank you.